Welcome back to Diamond Gems. I am your host, Jacob Coates. And as always, I am joined by my co-hosts, Greg Fulton and Isaac Coates. How's it going today, fellas? I'm very good on this fine evening. I missed you guys on the weekend, though. This long break from you guys, it hurt. Yeah, it was it was weird not being here Sunday all set up. I got, got to get a little extra rest. I actually napped twice after lunch on Sunday. Wow, what a life. We were yeah. chilling, uh, chilling on the dock as well. So we apologize to our listeners, but here in Canada, it was a long weekend. So we took full advantage this weekend. And as a result, we're giving you Diamond Gems a day later than normal. But you know what? I think you can live with it because we've got a good episode lined up for you today. Let's start it off with the all-star rosters that have been officially announced by the MLB Unfortunately, the home run derby list, not so complete yet. There's still a couple things, uh, a couple spots to fill in there, but we'll touch on that when the time comes. I guess we should maybe just uh, run through these rosters first. Eh? What do you think? Yeah, sure. Let's hear it. All right, so let's start with the American League. So we'll start with the starters, because uh, I think that makes sense. So at catcher, we've got Sal Perez. First base, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Second base, Marcus Semien. Third base, Rafael Devers. Shortstop, Xander Bogarts. Outfield, Mike Trout. Outfield, Aaron Judge. And outfield, Tay Oscar Hernandez. DH is Shohei Otani. He's also listed here as pitcher slash designated hitter, so it'll be interesting to see what his usage is in the all-star game what do you guys make of the starters list uh anything you agree or disagree with or anything jumps out at you um i got some opinions uh i don't know if i'm missing something but i don't think teoscar hernandez in my opinion is worthy of an all-star starter um i got a list of things here surprises no i got a whole thing here so you you tell me what you want well, to hear. i don't like hearing that teoscar isn't worthy because <laughs> i think he is and i voted for him personally <clears throat> But again, always blinded by I, I that Blue Jays bias. So, what what do I really know? But uh, I don't know who who do you have there instead of Tay Oscar, Greg? Well, just from if I had to take out him and put someone in, I like Cedric Mullins. But I think we're all on the same page with that. Uh, I I hate putting Houston players on a pedestal, and I hate that I think this, but I would rather see a guy like Michael Brantley there for the not the star factor, but just someone I'd rather watch than Tay Oscar, but maybe that's maybe that's just my mentality. Yeah, I mean... No, Adolis Garcia, guy who's, you know, on the home home run leaderboard, he's on the reserve list, I guess, but I'd rather see him starting. Yeah. Well, I'm, I just pulled up Tay Oscar's numbers here so that I can, I can help his case out a little bit. He currently, this season, has... 11 home runs and 47 RBIs. Now, 11 home runs might not seem like a lot, but he actually um, missed some time because he had a child. Uh, I think he might have been on the COVID list uh, briefly as well. So for the amount of games that he's played, that's actually pretty solid. He's batting 294. He has a 335 on base percentage and an 809 OPS. That's pretty solid. I think all-star worthy, but... Again, I don't disagree that, you know, you can make the case for Cedric Mullins for sure over Tay Oscar. Um, you said Michael Brantley. I don't have his numbers in front of me, but... Uh, 
I, I also like Alex Verdugo. Sorry yep. to cut you off. I'm I'm big on him as a player. Mm-hmm. I think outfield was uh, like the most crowded and kind of least obvious uh, in terms of picks here. I personally had Cedric Mullins over Mike Trout just because Mike Trout has been injured for it seems like most of the season so far uh, this year. So I, I kind of think that's weird. And you know what? Cedric Mullins might be starting in the All-Star game because Mike Trout probably, I'm assuming, won't play. So someone's going to have to fill that spot. And Cedric Mullins seems to be by far the most worthy to be that starter. So I think he's still going to get his his shine. And uh, it, it's just good to see it. I like seeing people that kind of come out of nowhere like he did, um, especially for you know mm-hmm. shittier teams that don't really have much going for them. It's just good to for them to have some representation. Uh, what are your takeaways, Isaac? Um, Mike Trout. I love Mike Trout. He's obviously the greatest player in baseball. Like, one of the greatest of all time. Um, we shouldn't have voted him in. He's an injured player. Um, and if we're looking at injured player, he's players. He's not actually the best injured player this season. In the outfield, Byron Buxton ranks third in among AL outfielders in war. And he only played 27 games. So if we were voting in injured players, we should probably have voted Byron Buxton. I'm pretty now sure get, you did, didn't you? Now we're keeping... <laughs> I did vote Byron Buxton, True. but there was hope. That was before he fractured his wrist. Wait, he broke his wrist? So I didn't even know that. On a hit-by-pitch. I think it was a wrist injury. Um, I hope now. But, um, yeah, Mike Trout, we were keeping his streak alive. That's seven years running, I believe, in, as an AL starter in the All-Star game. And there's more deserving candidates right now. Like, obviously, Cedric, Cedric Mullins, uh, Mark Canna, even. You could look at him. He had put he put up some all star numbers, but I don't know. That's all I have to say about the AL. I wasn't too upset with the starting. Yeah, I think the only one for me that I I didn't like was Mike Trout. Outside of that, this is actually the exact pick. Like if you pull up my my pick on our Shape by Sports Instagram, uh, this is my exact starting, uh, like starting lineup. Except I had Cedric Mullins there instead of Mike Trout. Outside of that, it's dead on for what I said. So. Uh, I'm not going to have any complaints about that. I guess we should move into the uh, the reserves. So at catcher, there's Mike Zanino. Second base, Jose Altuve. Shortstop, Bo Bichette. Shortstop, Carlos Correa. First base, Matt Olson. Love to see him there. Third base, Jose Ramirez. First base, Jared Walsh. Outfield, Michael Brantley. Outfield, Joey Gallo. Outfield, Adolis Garcia. Outfield, Cedric Mullins. And then two DHs in J.D. Martinez and Nelson Cruz. So I I like to see this list too. Like these guys will probably, uh, I guess not all of them, but most of them will make an appearance at some point during the game. I think it's cool to see that there's four Blue Jays represented this year. That's that's obviously a little personal thing, I, but I think it's cool. I think... I think you could make just as deserving all-star starting team out of the reserves. Yeah, probably. The ageless wonder, Nelson Cruz. How old is he now? Like 63? <laughs> uh, yeah, something like that. No, he's a, Nelson's great, but I actually I have Nelson on my fantasy team as I do pretty much every year. And uh, <laughs> he, he's actually been injured quite a bit this year. He hasn't played consistently. It seems like he'll, he'll go day-to-day like every five games for a couple games. Um, 
Yeah. Uh, I want to I want to make two more notes. One, quote unquote, paraphrase here. Um, Jacob said, if you uh, told me or if you told me right now that Jacob told me halfway through the season, I don't like the pick of Mike Trout as a starter in the outfield. I think we all would have like beat him down and buried him in a ditch. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I know injuries kind of mess that up, but just funny to hear those words come out yeah. of anyone's mouth. Yeah, it feels it feels um, wrong. I feel dirty. And <laughs> number two, I think before the season, if you told me the only White Sox players to make an All Star team would be three pitchers, I also would have called you a liar. Okay. Agreed. The, those things stand out to me. On the I actually AL didn't team, even put least. that together, but that's a that's a very good point. Good team, good hitters, and yet none of them are. In the All-Star game. Uh, I guess, yeah, pitchers too. That We probably should have done that before reserves even. But the starting pitchers for the American League are Shane Bieber, Garrett Cole, Nate Eovaldi, Kyle Gibson, Yusei Kikuchi, Lance Lynn, Carlos Rodon. And then the relievers are Matt Barnes, Araldis Chapman, Liam Hendricks, Ryan Presley, and Gregory Soto of the Tigers because they have to have someone in there. So that's that's who they got. <laughs> oh is is that true you actually have to have a rep yeah, from every team every team has to have one person oh, that's terrible well hold on though wait a second oh yeah you say kikuchi is the seattle guy i was gonna say wait a second i don't see seattle but yeah kikuchi's there yeah <laughs> um who's what what stands out to you guys from the pitching either bullpen or starting pitching i don't i don't care which one you want to talk about okay well, there's one obvious guy, and I think Jacob, I think you're gonna want to talk about him. And that's Chris Bassett. 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 Is it Bassett Definitely or Bassett? Bassett? Bassett. Sorry, my bad. Yeah. Well, first mm. of all, I I am pissed off. I'm fucking mad. Chris Bassett is my motherfucking boy. I've been riding for him from the beginning of this season. He came in hot. He stayed hot. He's pitching complete games. He's pitching deep into games. He's racking up strikeouts. Racking up wins. And he did not make the all-star game. I'm fucking heated, especially with Nate Eovaldi there. I don't know why he's there. They didn't need the representation of the Red Sox. They already have the whole left side of the infield with Devers and Bogarts, who are very deserving and deserve to be there. Don't let me... I'm not taking that away from them. But just to as a comparison, because I think that Eovaldi is the guy in this rotation that sticks out as um, the least deserving in my opinion. So I'm just going to put their their stats side by side here. So Eovaldi, 9-4 record. Chris Bassett, 9-2. Eovaldi, 341 ERA. Chris Bassett, 304. Eovaldi whip, 120. Bassett, 103. Eovaldi strikeouts, 90. Bassett, 109. Innings pitched, Eovaldi, 97.2, and Bassett, 106.2. So, in all the major categories, Chris Bassett has Nathan Eovaldi beat pretty handily. So, I'm I'm pissed off, as you could probably tell. Um, I think he definitely deserved to be there. I don't know what more he needed to do to get to the All-Star game, but fuck it. Jacob, looking at those starts, what are you, are you leaving something out? What am I leaving out? I, I don't know. Because that is a slam dunk. He's obviously the better pitcher. Yeah, I I looked. There was there was nothing there. Um, <laughs> we have to be missing something for Eovaldi, Eovaldi to be 
on that lineup card. No, I think Eovaldi, when I actually looked, I think he might have had the edge in FIP by, like, two or something. Are you telling me the people that are putting them in the All-Star game are looking at FIP over everything else? No, I'm not. No, there's no way. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, how the the fuck is Eovaldi there and Baz is not? Yeah, this season, Eovaldi does have a good FIP. He's got a 2.55 FIP. His ERA plus is also 136. Let me just pull that up on Chris Bassett. He might have Damn. him beat there, but um, I don't know. I just I think that it's it'd be hard for Chris Bassett to have a really high ERA plus in my opinion, just because you know like he does pitch at a uh, a pretty pitcher friendly park. Okay, but Eovaldi's ERA plus was 136. Bassett's is 133. Uh, so the only place he really has him beat by a decent margin is Eovaldi's FIP is 255 and Bassett's is 325. So I guess that that might be the only thing where he has an edge, but in my opinion that <laughs> that does not warrant uh, you know, Ivaldi no, to not. to make it over over Bassett. Um, <laughs> I also think you look at the like the sporadicness of some of Ivaldi's starts. He's got blown up a few times. Chris Bassett hasn't really had that one blow up start. So I, I just think that he's been the more dominant, more deserving pitcher. And, you know, I, we talked on our last podcast a little bit about how maybe the All-Star game shouldn't come down to a vote and that we should leave it up to an organized committee, right? We were saying that, like, the fans maybe shouldn't be the ones making these decisions because it doesn't always get the best players there. Well, for the pitchers, the players don't vote them in. And we're still having issues. So maybe the issue is just that everyone is fucking stupid and people make mistakes and there's going to be snubs all the time. And Chris Bassett, you are one of those snubs. That, it kind of reminds me of Hall of Fame voting too. Yeah. We, we don't get a say in that. And, you know, some of those guys make some bonehead, stupid decisions. Yeah, like the all-time home run leader not being in it. But. Okay, I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm an anti Barry in the whole in the hall. I feel like guy. this comes up on every but episode. That, I I don't think there's been a yeah, single episode that, where <laughs> Isaac has not teased Greg about Barry Bonds at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we we can just do a whole special feature episode about it. I don't even want to. I'll I'll be special. like the mediator because I don't even want to get involved with you two. It'll just be a bloodbath. We still have never I, learned why he's an anti Barry guy though. I think that does call for a discussion sometime. Yeah, I'll, I'll come right. I was gonna say maybe you're not right, maybe you're not too. well prepared enough right now, but I mean, if you, yeah. <laughs> you could let some shots fly if you wanted to. Um, the only argument that needs to be is all-time home run leader. Mm-hmm. But no, not gonna get me started okay. today. <laughs> well, maybe next week <laughs> there will be a Barry Bonds debate, and uh, you know we'll see, we'll see we'll see how it plays out. Uh, where were we? We got off track here. Flip to the NL Oh, yeah, I was maybe. bitching about Chris NL. Bassett. Okay, so <laughs> who are you guys most excited to see play in the All-Star game? Um, uh, Just some names. I wanna, we haven't got to, to NL names, we'll but I already mentioned Nelson yeah. Cruz. Yeah, mentioned Nelson Cruz. I think seeing Lance Lynn on an All-Star, ma- All-Star mound is always something fun. Mm-hmm. Just a couple heavyweights going in there. Lance Lynn against uh, Nelson Cruz. That's a matchup I'm tuning well, in for. He won't be against nelson cruz no i guess i i guess i wouldn't be tuning in for that unless nelson cruz declares for the home run derby and picks lance lynn as his uh 
his picture. I don't think Nelson Cruz will be in the home run derby. I think he's had too many injuries to play through. He's too old. He's just not. He doesn't have the stamina anymore. But that'd be cool. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the obvious choice, uh, Shohei. Yep. I had that too. Like, are we gonna see? Is this gonna? Is he gonna be the first guy to pitch and hit in an All Star game? I'm assuming he's gonna do both. Like this is a show. T- this is just, literally showtime here. Yeah. Like home run derby. Just to put it in the record yeah, books. I think you got to. Even if he comes in, uh, is a three batter minimum rule a thing in the All Star game too? That's such a good question. <laughs> Can we break this rule? Can he come in for one batter and just leave? I would assume that the the MLB All Star game follows the exact same rules as like a regular season game, but I I hope that's not the case. That's a that's a very good point because you you'd often see like some of these relievers come in and get like two outs or something just so that they get to throw right because what there's more than nine pitchers on this roster yeah right so if everyone's gonna pitch not everyone can pitch a full inning so it'd be interesting to see how that works out but uh yeah that's a that's a good question i think obviously my pick too was was shohei otani i think it'll just be really interesting to see how he's used uh one thing that i think is interesting is the home run derby is the day before the all-star game right Shohei Otani is in the All-Star or in the Home Run Derby, sorry. So we've we heard Kyle Schwarber talk recently about being fatigued after the Home Run Derby. That might affect his usage in the Home Run or in the All-Star game. Right. Yeah. yeah. That's why Vol- why Vladdy's not doing it too, right? Yeah. So fatigue. Because he's a a mature gentleman that is all about the Jays winning. And he's trying to rest up. <laughs> I love it. I love to see that. But I also would have loved to see him there. Uh, the other big takeaway for me, I already kind of mentioned it, but just four Blue Jays and three of them starting. As a Blue Jays fan, that's obviously cool to see. Uh, I didn't want a Houston Astros situation that we talked about last week where, you know, the whole lineup is, is Astros. So maybe I feel a little bit guilty for some other guys that, you know, don't have a, don't have a, a player starting in that starting lineup, but we're spoiled as Blue Jay fans this year. All right, well, let's move into the National League then. So let me pull up that team. The elected starters for the National League All-Star team. At catcher, we have Buster Posey. First base, Freddie Freeman. Second base, Adam Frazier. Third base, Nolan Arenado. Shortstop, Fernando Tatis Jr. Outfield, Ronald Acuna Jr., Outfield, Nick Castellanos. And outfield, Jesse Winker. Greg, what are your takes? Uh, obviously, Fernando Tatis Jr. is an incredible baseball player, but I I don't know. My gut my gut tells me that I want to see Trey Turner. Um, may I, I, I don't know. I have a thing for nationals, I guess. Trey Turner is a guy that I just love to watch on TV, on MLB TV, if a bunch of games are on and putting the nationals game on, if the Yankees aren't playing, obviously just because Trey Turner is a guy that I love to watch. So I would have liked to see Trey Turner in, as a starter, but I have no argument against Fernando Tatis yeah, it's, Jr. I'll say, Shortstop's just you, too backed up, right? you you got to yeah. be one of the few that prefer to see Trey Turner over Fernando Tatis at this point outside of Washington. I I, I mean, I'm going to I'm gonna watch Fernando Tassi, Tatis Jr. 
all the time anyways. He's incredible to watch, but I don't know. I'm a big Trey Turner guy. That's all I got to say. No rhyme or reason. Girl, you're, you're smoking dicks right now because <laughs> I, I don't know if it was this episode or the one before, but you, I, yeah, you, you made the argument that Fernando Tatis was like by far the most electric <laughs> player in baseball, and you were, oh. you were signing up to watch him over Jacob deGrom, yeah, I, I and now you're this. saying, actually, you know what? I think I'd rather see Trey Turner over Fernando Tatis in this then. all-star thing. Yeah, Yikes. yeah. I I remember saying that. I'm not denying it. <laughs> it's well. Here's here's the thing. Maybe they just need a DH, right? And then if they have the DH, you can put Tatis. Yeah, there we go. At DH, or you could put Turner at DH because shortstop's just too backed up. We don't look at. No, I'm putting matches. Degrom. I'm putting Degrom at DH. Hey, at least your boy. Uh, at least your boy taught, or Trey Turner made the yeah, reserve. He made so. the squad. Yeah. I think uh, for me, one of the things that will be interesting will be Nolan Arenado and him coming back to Coors Field. I think that'll be that'll be cool. That's interesting that he's starting at third base uh, as a result. And uh, yeah, also Nick Castellanos and Jesse Winker in the outfield, uh, like those picks. I was hoping that both of those guys would be there. It's kind of cool that you know two teammates will be in the be in the outfield together yeah i'm assuming they'll take the corner outfield so and cunia will take center so yeah still cool though um adam frazier also interesting to see there you know not a lot of thump in that bat but good to see an old school contact guy in there love it um do you guys know off the top of your head who's leading the league in hits right now is it still fraser uh i'm um, not sure someone pull I, that up uh, why don't you pull it up greg i'll i'll see on those right there. now I thought he was. Yeah. So while Greg looks for that, I'll rhyme off some of the reserves for the National League. So at catcher, we have JT Real Muto. Second base, Ozzie Albies. Third base, Chris Bryant. Shortstop, Brandon Crawford. Second base, Jay Cronenworth. Third base, Eduardo Escobar. First base, Max Muncy. Shortstop, Greg's boyfriend, Trey Turner. Outfield, Mookie Betts. Outfield, Brian Reynolds. Outfield, Kyle Schwarber, who unfortunately is injured. We'll touch on that a little bit later. Outfield, Juan Soto. And outfield, Chris Turner. Or Taylor, sorry. Okay. I, I, want, I, want, to, I want to clear up my NL shortstop debate. I'm a Monday to Friday Trey Turner, but a Tatis on the weekends kind of guy. Okay. Um, when you get a little tipsy, you like to watch. You like to watch yeah, Tatis. I get a little like those big old Tatis. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I like the dreads. I have that um, hit stat that Greg was supposed to look up. I'm. Sh- I I, I, I got it here. It. <laughs> Do you you want to you want to bring it up? I mean, it is my boy. Nick Castellanos has two hits more, two more hits than Adam Fraser, so at 105. Oh. Also in fourth, tied for fourth, I guess, is Vladdy and uh, Trey Turner. Uh, where's Jose Altuve on that list? He's been a guy that has led the league in, in well, hits. He's definitely not doing that this several year. times. Uh, he's 28th. <laughs> he, he's uh, 22 hits behind the, the league lead. Yep. Interesting. Two Blue Jays in the top six, though. Well, I mean, why don't we expand that? There's three Blue Jays in the top ten. Okay, well, I, I can only count to six. <laughs> Vladdy? <laughs> Let me guess. Vladdy, Bouchette, and Semyon, yeah. right? Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, well, anyways, 
Takeaways from reserves, anyone that you thought maybe should have snagged a, a seat Hold on, on the did you say or Whitmer? Oh, wait, no. When we were in AL, did we just say Whitmer Merrifield? We passed we over skipped that. that. I was actually, That's a snub. I forgot to bring that up. That's a snub. Absolutely sure, a snub. Yeah. Leading the league in stolen bases, and he's in the top 10 in hits as well. I don't know why he's not there. Um, well, I'll tell you why he's not there. Jose Altuve. <laughs> Fucking not. I, whatever. Um... It's okay. <laughs> I think let, let it out. In the NL, Justin Turner is a snub. He has only had one All Star appearance in his career, in his very successful career. And I, I don't know. He's like uh, he's like our Fred McGriff discussion from from Absolutely. last week, eh? Yeah. He's he's almost like underrated. too consistent. Where he's he's just good enough that he's like an extremely valuable player, but he's not quite like All Star sexy enough to get in every year. There's no so. Jesse Winker. did you guys see his uh jesse winker's emotional interview after he found out that he he made the all-star game no was it that was pretty cool i have to look into that then he was basically just super emotional saying how much it meant to him made me feel good anybody and everyone in the comments was being like you deserve a king you you got this man that was beautiful (laughs) now on the flip side has anybody seen isaiah kiner falefa's reaction i don't I'm know sure but isaiah kind of is fucking ice cold right now because <laughs> yeah. he's been so busy on twitter just talking about how he's being snubbed from the votes and you're good he has no time left to practice play well <laughs> it's oh my god uh all right let's hear the nl pitchers because i got two people that didn't make the list that i think should have well do you want to rhyme along no go for it i could i could use a break from talking all right uh, I'll just rip through starting pitchers. You got Corbin Burns, you Darvish, uh, Jacob Degrom. Uh, I don't know about him. That, that guy's not too good. Yeah, he gave uh, three runs last time. Yeah, we got the San Francisco ace Kevin Gosman, Herman Marquez, a little token All Star throw in there. Uh, Trevor Rogers, Zach Wheeler, and Brandon Woodruff, the king over in Isaac's neighborhood. Uh, and then relievers, we got Josh Hader, Craig Kimbrell, Mark Melanson, and Alex Reyes of the Cardinals. Um, I'm going to jump right in with two guys that I think should be on the list. I don't know who I'm replacing them with or who I'm replacing with them. What was that? If you could, it's obviously Marquez, but you can't replace him. Yeah, Yeah. I can't. Um, Walker Bueller, 8-1, 103 innings pitch, 235 ERA, under one whip. I think that's all-star worthy. Um, Again, I don't know who I'd replace, but I would like to see him in there. And then Edwin Diaz as a reliever. 17 of 18 save opportunities in the nl you could make an all-star team full of pitchers just (laughs) on snubs because max scherzer had a 2.1 era 0.85 whip 127 k's not in the all-star game freddie peralta the third man the third man in that rotation 129 k's 2.23 era there's a case for so many different pitchers in the nl right now um yeah so, so what do you guys think of this of the rule that like every team has to be represented? Like, do you understand it? Do you like it, or do you think it's stupid that you know people are there just because someone has to be there? I don't like it. I understand it, but I don't like it because mm-hmm. if your guy, we got we got a friend. I'm not going to name him, but he's a diehard Detroit sports fan. Um, his, I don't think his Tigers deserve to put anyone in the All Star game. But you got Gregory Soto there. 
I with the Rockies, yeah. I mean, I guess Herman Marquez made the cut, but I don't really see any of those guys as all stars this year. Like, I think you could it it'd be more deserving to give a guy like Peralta, Scherzer, Bueller, any anyone a spot over some of those guys that are just kind of token throw-ins. See, I think this year for representation, we're seeing it with Colorado. If call it, this is in Colorado, and they they wouldn't have a single All Star. I think that would be a huge shame. Like you will go to see your player, mm-hmm. your the best players in the league play, and you don't even get to see one of your own guys. And obviously, Trevor Story would be there if he was healthy, if he was playing this year. But he is. is he, he is playing. He's he is healthy, healthy now. Well, is he really healthy? He's in the he's in the home run derby though. True, I forgot about that. Yeah. But he, he didn't. He's hadn't. He hasn't had enough play time this year to get himself in the All Star game. Herman Marquez sure. is a good pitcher. Absolutely. Unfortunately, he pitches in Coors. So if he was somewhere else, he might be able to. But I just think for representation, this year, I think it's an example of why you need it. Do you think so? I just I just wanted to bring up here as well. I think Herman Marquez is actually a very deserving pitcher. He's someone in my mind that's been underrated because of the fact that he pitches at Coors Field. I think that uh, you know the Jays could use some starting pitching. Maybe Herman Marquez is a guy that they can go out and get. He'd be pretty pricey, I think. But this year, I'll just ram off some of his stats. He's got a three five nine ERA, a one seventeen WHIP. He's leading the league in games started with 18. He's also leading the league in complete games with three. He's a guy that actually has a, a history of like you know pitching deep into games, and just the fact that he's at Coors Field makes things pretty tricky. Um, speaking of Coors Field, he's got a 127 ERA plus, which is pretty solid. 3.40 FIP. He's he's a deserving guy. Strikeout per nine, like he gets uh, once yeah literally one strikeout per nine innings. And I, I think he's a good pitcher for sure. Uh, and, you know, if he was somewhere else, maybe those numbers are a lot better and we're not even you know, but thinking much of it. If we're putting him side by side to the other guys that have been snubbed, he's not an all-star in that True. sense. Yeah. So. Um, okay, that's fair. Touching on the story thing, do you think management or head office kind of forced him into the home run derby just to give the hometown fans something to root for? You can only get excited about, let's say Marquez comes into the all-star game for three batter minimum, if that's a rule, and he, get, and he gets taken out. Like, if you're a hometown fan, you want to see more than that, right? Yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I just don't think there's... A, like, there's no way that Trevor Story could be in the all-star game over, like you said, Trey Turner and oh, then Fernando Tatis Jr. Shortstop's just too deep. Like, he, he doesn't deserve to be there this year. Uh Going to your question about being forced into the home run derby, uh, I don't think he's forced into it. I think he's probably, you know, I, I think players connect with the fan base, even if the franchise itself and, like, the, the management and the organization is kind of, you know, using you just as a business tool. You're still connected with that fan base. He knows, I'm sure, that he's getting shipped before the end of this season, and he probably wants to give the fans one last thing. Also, like the Rockies aren't competitive right now. So, what harm does it do for him to participate in the All-Star or in the Home Run Derby? In terms of harm, I think the fatigue factor. Vladdy's not doing it. Yeah. Like if if he was to get traded to a competitor like a contender yeah, exactly. and then he's, you know, worn down from the the Home Run Derby. Yeah. I guess. Do you think that the fact that it's at Coors Field and like the air is just thinner there 
and you know it takes guys longer to recover typically in that altitude do you think that's going to play a factor in this home run derby do you think we're going to see guys like running out of breath well i mean if we bring in that altitude factor and put it in another direction are they going to have to swing as hard almost <laughs> are they going to be have True. the chance to get fatigued that ball is going to fly like the, the balls are juiced right for home run derby <laughs> Like that's I hope so. I, I think that's true. I think I heard it's it on a real. broadcast. Give me last year's fucking baseball. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I don't know. They just used last year's balls in the home run derby this year. <laughs> oh, I love That'd be awesome. Um Okay, I d I don't know if you're getting into this, but who's your pick to win the home run derby? Well we, Well let's let's rhyme yeah. off the who's in the home run derby first. I guess that's important. But yeah, I I was about to jump into that. So currently we have, let's see, one, two, three, four, five. We got five guys signed up for the home run derby. They are Shohei Otani, Pete Alonso, who's the defending champion, Trey Mancini, who's that nice feel-good story from the Orioles, Trevor Story, who is obviously we just we just touched on, probably in his last season with the Rockies, looking to put on a show for the hometown crowd, and Sal Perez, who is also just another good storyline this year and uh an older guy it's kind of interesting we got trey mancini and sal perez holding it down for the older men <laughs> in this in this derby um greg i guess you asked you asked a question isaac you want to answer greg's question who, who you got one of the the man that remains unnamed it's my pick yeah <laughs> good <laughs> who is he i don't know <laughs> whoever <laughs> whoever it is is winning it you're just taking someone off the board. You don't care who it is. No, no, no. Whoever hasn't been announced yet, that guy is winning the home run derby. They're saving the best for last. Okay, can you fill okay. fill the last three spots then? Uh, okay, I'll fill I'll yeah, fill my fill three them. to give you a minute to think. Okay, I have my picks here too. Um, I Jacob doesn't like this, but I got Nelson Cruz as one of those guys. <laughs> I want to see him out there. I want to see more old manpower. Get him. <laughs> yeah, I want to see Giancarlo Stanton now that he's actually somewhat healthier this year and i want to see joey gallo i want to see the big rigs just teeing off um but my pick to win is salvi perez j- just because i love the guy <laughs> so it's not based on any like no merit actual ev- yeah there's no merit it's just I, that's who you want to win so that's who's gonna win the guy gets a is it true that he gets like the crown tattoo every every time he's an all-star like he has like five crown tattoos i think it's a star a star but maybe it is a crown oh, maybe it's i don't know he, he definitely i definitely might i don't know i could be wrong but i saw that video too i thought it was a star but yeah he every time he gets uh announced to like every all-star appearance he gets a he gets a tattoo like, what if he is he's literally wearing his career on his sleeve yeah. like he's making a sleeve of his career he he has the uh you know the world series champion tattoo for the kansas with the kansas city royals logo on it and everything yeah give me salvi yeah. for sure okay right. i like that all right you guys fill it up i think my i think my pick is shohei otani i think that he's just such a pure athlete we've seen him hit absolute tanks his swing is kind of like effortless i don't know where all the strength comes <laughs> from like i know he's a big guy but he doesn't like look absolutely jacked you know he just he just looks like a a big human but he generates a lot of exit velo on what i think is kind of a, a relatively like effortless swing he's leading the league i think like he's tops the league in uh in barrel barrel rate i think 
which I think is a big factor in the home run derby. Um, yeah, I, I like Shohei Otani to win it, and also just all the hype surrounding him. You know, he's he's he'll definitely have his his home country of Japan cheering him on. I'm sure there will be tons of people overseas tuning in for that home run derby. So I'd love to see Otani win, and I think that he has a real chance to win it. Um, another person I think I I wouldn't sleep on is Trevor Story. He has a lot of power. He's at his home park. He's going to have the hometown cheering him on. I think that that plays a bit of a factor as well. All right, so if Joey Gallo is in it, so put Joey Gallo down with an asterisk. Um, we haven't, I mean, you mentioned him earlier, but I'm going to pick Mancini. Just the, I think he's kind of the underdog in this competition. No one's expecting him to go up there and belt out 20 home runs, but I think he True. has the power potential to do it. Um, I think he he has a lot of line drives, so I think he can get the ball out fairly quickly. I don't. He's not going to hit any monster bombs, but I think he's capable of winning it. Okay. My three picks, I think, for players who have yet to be announced that I'd like to see in it uh, would be Adolis Garcia, Matt Olson, and Jesse Winker. I think we kind of touched on it. Matt Olson is kind of like a similar swing and uh, you know trajectory type of hitter as Joey Gallo, someone who just hits absolute tanks, just has that big uppercut swing and hits the ball high and far. Uh, I think he'd be really cool to see there. I don't know. He might actually be one of those guys though that actually doesn't do that well, just because you know you're you're on a timer and if you hit the ball too high and too far, sometimes that can actually work against you. So be interesting to see. Uh, Jesse Winker, I think just based on the season that he's having and the hype around him and, you know, his excitement for being in the All-Star game, he'd be cool to see. And then Adolis Garcia, just because, you know, he's up there in home run leaders and guy that kind of came out of nowhere. Texas has not much going for them this year outside of, you know, uh, Kyle Gibson and according to Kiner Falefa, Kiner Falefa. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. I think my pick's there then. Um, has Acuna said... He- no already has that been announced i don't know do we know so i think i'll look it up the no's they published so far were what tatis vladi Vladi, the big big names in schwarber um right so i want to see acuna in there i'd like to see soto i think that would be cool i think you could put on a show and i know we're not we're not looking at the tops and top guys in home runs aside from Shohei, because, like, I mean, Mancini's not right up there, um, nor is Trevor Story, obviously. I think those two, and then my other, I, I don't have a third pick, I don't think. Well, you don't have yeah. to. I got two guys. Cause, yeah. Greg, you can you can fill them in with our our guys that we picked. Um, I actually just pulled up a, um, oh, this fucking, the athletic man. They always pull up the, the ad to, to like, try and make you yeah. become a subscriber. Yeah. Um, but the athletic just said that he has uh, Acuna hasn't officially announced that he will or won't participate. But apparently, he's been telling friends that he plans on participating nice. in the home run derby. So he could very well be in that list if he's there. Does that change yeah, your picks? Yeah, that's my like, pick. You, th- that's my you pick. think? Okay, Greg, what do you what do you think? You think he'll he'll be definitely a contender if he's in? I think he'll be a contender. I just want to say Matt Olson is a great pick too. I completely sure. forgot about him. I, li- I like Olson. Everyone forgets uh, about Olson. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> and Chris. People Bassett. are forgetting about Oakland, man. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking sleeping on him. 
Wake oh, up. Man's having a career year. Oh, yeah. Aaron Judge, Gary Sanchez, and Javi Baez also all said no, but Thank I don't God. think we really had them on the radar. I would have. Why wouldn't you want to see Aaron Judge? Gary Are you forgetting the no, fucking display he no, put on? And my thank God was fully Miami? directed to Gary Sanchez. Dude, he's got power I mean, he does too. Have power. I just I don't. I don't enjoy watching it. I think I'm closing yeah. the book on Gary Sanchez ever panning out to anything. Yeah, you're calling it. Had a what two two solid seasons? Two I maybe for a catcher like great offensive seasons, but. Wait, you guys have definitely talked about his defensive shortcomings, and that's not going to get any better. Yeah. Where are you on Glaber, no, then? Uh, talk to me at the end of the year. <laughs> not Too not good. To make a decision. Yeah, not good yet. Who's who's the worst defensive player, Bo Bichette or Glaber Torres? Uh, they're, do a gold glove contest at the All-Star game. Glaber Torres. Okay. Look, he's, he's bad. Nobody talks about... Fernando Tatis, he does make a lot of errors. He makes some amazing plays. He also statistically is not near the top at all. And I think the same can be said for Boba Shett. He makes up for his mishaps on the defensive side of the ball with his amazing offensive output. Glaber Torres is just killing you everywhere. Um, have you ever t- watched Glaber Torres make a throw from shortstop to first? <laughs> it, it's painful to watch because it's like you're watching it's an adventure. Yeah, twelve year olds in little league trying to hit a target. Like he just looks nervous. I don't. Know. That's that's coming from. Yeah, he reminds fan. he reminds me of myself from shortstop with the fucking yips. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, let's see here. Uh, I'm looking up his fielding stats. Come back to me in a few minutes. Yeah, well, I think that's pretty much all we wanted to talk about for. Uh, the home run derby you kind of alluded to it maybe a little gold glove competition Uh, that was amongst two two players who have some defensive struggles but the ml or the nhl and the nba both have like skills competitions do you think that we can make the all-star weekend for mlb a little bit more exciting if we started introducing some skills competitions into you know that like the event um i have an idea did you have anything isaac or can i uh i was just gonna say i don't care (laughs) i I think it it would be it would be so fun to have other sport athletes go up against the best in the mlb at their position (laughs) like how like have uh like a alex ovechkin try to hit a ball from jacob de grom or have uh put like baker mayfield out at shortstop and have vladdy just like hit stingers at him (laughs) <laughs> I think that would be fun to watch. That's funny. You could even do you could even do like a uh, like a slow pitch game. Yeah. Of just like other athletes. Don't they do a celebrity and you just slow, have, pitch, slow pitch have, game? I thought they already did. Yeah, they that. do actually. Yeah. So I guess that other athletes could participate in that. But that shit's like not even televised, right? How come no, why isn't that televised? On MLB network. Not really. Day. Huh. You wanna take up your twelve PM slot on a Tuesday? And watch some washed-up celebrities play slow pitch. Yeah, I do. <laughs> yeah, I'd watch it. Also, I I have the defensive stat for Glaber. Just quick mention here: his career uh, defensive runs saved, uh, which is per twelve hundred innings, is negative thirteen. We need to get some si- uh, some sound effects here, Jacob. This like wow, 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 wow. 
Yeah. Um, do you, did you have any ideas, Jacob, on uh, fun All-Star Weekend things? Um, I mean, I think I, I saw this thing a while ago where Kevin Pillar was just doing something where they were like, they, were, they had like a drone with like, you know, like a, a, a target and he was like trying to hit them. Maybe that was Kevin Kiermaier. I can't remember. It was someone. But there was, there was like these targets that they were, they were throwing at from the outfield. That could be something cool. The NHL kind of introduced something last year where the the players were like way up in like the the upper deck or whatever, and they had to shoot the puck out onto the ice at these targets down there. I found that kind of entertaining. I think you could definitely work something out like that for baseball, and you know that that brings into play some of some of the outfielders. Um, you know, you you put the the guys that have a lot of power but aren't necessarily all star players on display in the home run derby. Why not bring in some of these defensive players who aren't necessarily all-stars but are fantastic defenders like a Kevin Kiermeyer or, you know, like a Jackie Bradley Jr., guys like that, kind of have them be represented a little bit and show off their skills in, in that kind of event. I think that'd be really cool. Um, I feel like you could do something with pitchers too, like by having maybe some kind of target practice and like just accuracy challenge. Um or even like a hardest pitch challenge, like they do the the hardest shot in the NHL. I'm I'm sure that the the organizations say, probably wouldn't yeah. like that they, one they very much. Start, they go to the All Star game and leave with Tommy John. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, if you if you only let each guy do like three throws, you know. Still. Yeah. Well, how much damage can uh, you do? Sure you you, you get them all warmed up and everything. My body hurts thinking about uh. that. Yeah, I like these. <laughs> That'd be sick. I like though. all these ideas, but would you? Are you willing to shorten the home run derby to include those? Because a home run derby is a long. It's a full night. Yeah. Yeah, but you do it on a different night. You make it instead of it just being like the home run derby, the well, I the all star game. You do the first night of skills competition, then you do home run derby, then you do all star game. I'm down for that. I don't think players are, players want to do that though. That's three days. They'll have less time. I don't off. care what the players right, want. It's for the fans. <laughs> Fuck the players. <laughs> I bought the premium TV package. I want it to be <laughs> worthwhile. Yeah. Right. The other the other idea I had was uh, I I don't know how many of our viewers or listeners are familiar with MVP Baseball 2005, but there was a game there that was super nostalgic oh, you hit the for me. Yep. Fuck there was yeah. it was like a batting competition basically. And they had like all these moving targets. They had some like old cars in the outfield and stuff. And you basically had to try to pick those things off, and you would points. collect points. So something like that could be uh, could be fun as well. I love that. Okay, so just a couple more things I want to touch on here. So we were talking about Isaiah Kiner Falefa and how deserving he was. I actually pulled up his stats here, and I just uh, I want to let you know what what he thinks an All Star is. So batting average two sixty six not horrible on base percentage a huge 302 slugging percentage 373 know what that ops gives you 674 nice oh we're talking d gordon range (laughs) yeah so that's what he thinks an all-star is obviously his uh he he does have 15 stolen bases to help his case but but not much power only six home runs um He's been ice cold since he said that he deserved to be an all-star. I know that at the time he said that, he was batting like 290. And his I'm, you defensive know, I'm sure stats his, were pretty solid, though. Yeah, I'm sure his on-base percentage was up. But uh, 
yeah, he he definitely does not deserve to be there. And coming out and kind of bitching about it is a little bit embarrassing. You know, he's a, he's only 26 years old. He's a guy that I actually think is a really good player and could be valuable moving forward. But just, ugh, what what are you doing? Like that is just embarrassing that he was whining about that. Um, well, I'll tell you what. I've never gone out of my way to watch him in the past, and I likely won't moving forward. Whether he's an yeah. all-star or not, I don't know if that's rude. I mean, not really. Very rude. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna get a. I'm a fan. I'm gonna get a DM. Wow, that was weird. I'm gonna get a DM from him later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know he's listening to Diamond Jeff. <laughs> yeah. He has somebody just searching through. Just searching for his name every time it's brought up. Yeah. He has searching for employees. hate. We'll throw we'll throw this in we'll throw his name into like the the title of this episode <laughs> so that he might be able to flag it. Uh, <laughs> get it on get an alert. Um yeah. Okay, the other person I wanted to talk about as well is Kyle Schwarber. He is an all-star. Technically, he's on the reserves team. Man, he was on such an incredible tear. In the month of June, he had 12 homers in 10 games. Uh, I think he ended up with 16 homers in the month of June. His entire month of June stat line here is 292 batting average, 16 home runs, 30 RBIs, and a 792 slugging percentage, which is insane. Just for perspective, the average slugging percentage from last season was 418. So (laughs) he's hitting the crap out of the ball. But unfortunately, that just came to an end the other night. I was watching the replays and saw him limping off the field, and it broke my heart. There's a little bit of news on his injury. He's been diagnosed after getting an MRI with a significant strain in his hamstring. Anytime you hear significant, obviously the... uh, the warning signals go go off in your brain a little bit. What do you guys think about, you know, the hot streak that he was on? Were you even tuned into it? And, like, now that this injury happened, what, what are you thinking? When when he was catching fire, I started tuning in. I'd see it on the highlights. Guy was hot. Team was hot. Um, I, I suspect they're going to stay hot. When he comes back from the IL, fingers crossed he does. I hope he picks up the pace right where he left off. It's hard to because you're going to get out of your groove, obviously. Um, he would have been a good guy for the home run derby, too. Fortunately, we're not going to see that. Um, go ahead. He had 15 home... Did you say? What 16 is, home runs in June. 16 home runs in June. And it was 15 in 17 games at a certain point. Mm-hmm. That is a historic run that we won't see for so many years and obviously streaks have to end but to see it end like that is it's awful but all credit to him i don't know if you guys heard the starting nine interview that he just did uh with carabas and dallas Braden. that was pretty very interesting because he was he's super humble about it it was just he hasn't changed anything just mm-hmm. kind of doing the same routine over and over and this time it's working out but it's yeah it's sad to see him go down like that definitely uh, wishing him a speedy recovery we want to see him back on the field for sure the Nats definitely need him too if they're going to finish top three in the league as Greg has predicted every single episode on it yeah well let's move into something I mean I guess that was a little bit depressing because it was a injury but 
something else we definitely just kind of need to talk about here, Trevor Bauer allegations. So basically, I'll just give like a brief kind of synopsis on what's what's been going on in case you're not tuned in at all. Obviously, Trevor Bauer, an elite pitcher in the MLB, won the Cy Young Award last year. Mickey Mouse Cy Young, as some are calling it. But regardless, one of the better pitchers in the game and definitely, you know, like the face of uh, of the Dodgers rotation. But anyways, all of that aside, uh, a woman is accusing Trevor Bauer of sexual assault. She allegedly sustained multiple injuries, those being cuts, bruises, scratches, and a concussion after a sexual encounter with Trevor Bauer. There was also some alleged non-consensual acts performed by Bauer to the woman while she was unconscious after being choked out. Now, Bauer and his attorney claimed that everything was consensual consensual, and that he, w- he has the evidence to prove it. There was The evidence was basically released through a series of text messages from the woman claiming that she loved the rough stuff and the first time that they had like a sexual encounter and, you know, she encouraged him to, quote, give her all the pain, unquote, in their next rendezvous. So basically, you know, Trevor Bauer is saying that, you know, all of this was consensual and like, you know, the the text messages prove that she wanted this, basically. Um, There was also multiple text messages, though, from Bauer and the woman talking about the sustained injuries after the second encounter, which is when the uh, alleged like sexual attack or whatever took place. And in that, in those text messages, Bauer apologized and offered her money. So I think it's important to note here that these are allegations right now. There hasn't been a legal decision made yet. It's still an ongoing investigation. Trevor Bauer has been placed on administrative leave while the MLB conducts their own investigation. Um, And obviously the police are also launching a full-on investigation in this. And it seems like there's definitely going to be some legal proceedings here that take place. So just, I guess, I know it's a lot to take in. But uh, why don't you guys just give me your, your thoughts on this on this situation? I'm saying confidently that we're not seeing Trevor Bauer in the regular season this year. Again, for good reason. I don't know if you've—more more evidence has come to light. Trevor Bauer obviously is extremely active on social media, and so is his team. As soon as these allegations were brought up, they were incredibly quick to put out these text messages and spin the story in their way. Maybe she was into rough stuff, but nobody can look at the pictures that have been released through that ex- from that restraining order and call that kinks. That is sexual assault. That is absolutely assault. The pictures of her, she had a black, well, you can't see the eyes because covering her identity, but she has a black eye. Her face is incredibly swollen. She has a fat lip. She has scratches everywhere. This isn't just I like when this first came to light I was like okay well when he started talking about it he was minimizing what had actually happened saying it was consensual I won't I'm not going to get into details of what she said because I mean this is a podcast at the end of the day we're not 
the professionals here that are investigating this. But at this point, this is more than allegations. There's been some serious red flags with uh, Trevor Bauer throughout the years. And I think everybody should actually take a look, take a minute to Google Trevor Bauer's rules for dating. And you can look at that as a a non-serious thing, but it is definitely serious when he, he's not a very, how should I say it? He's not a very sarcastic person in that sense. He is fairly to the, he has some sociopathic Tendencies. tendencies. And I mean, he checks off some certain criteria for something called antisocial personality disorder, which is a sociopath. And I think we're going to see more stuff come out. I think the Dodgers are going to end up looking very badly in this. I think we're not seeing Trevor Bauer, and I hope we don't see Trevor Bauer. He is a fucking monster. Like, I know these are allegations, but you look at the pictures, and he's spinning. He's doing his best to spin the story in his way. Mm-hmm. But it is what it is. There's no way that was consensual at the end of it. She said she was unconscious and then he performed more sexual abuse to her while she was unconscious. And I think we need to also acknowledge a power dynamic. Maybe she didn't want to say anything because of who he, who he was. And then she realized at maybe at the moment she was like, okay, well he was just like, it was just rough sex and it was just, he got lost in the heat of the moment. And I think she really needed to look back and analyze it before she brought these allegations to light. And I think that's what she did. It took her a little while to realize what had actually happened to her. I think we mm-hmm. need some time to do that. And I'm, there's so many people rushing to his defense and victim blaming, and I think it's fucking ridiculous. Yeah, and let's not forget the fact that she suffered a concussion mm-hmm. after this encounter. So aside from what you're saying, Isaac, with you know saying that you know she needed a little bit of time to process it, well, it probably took her a little bit longer to process because she literally had a brain injury as a yeah. result. So, um, I don't know. The, the main things to me that I, I took away from this are, you know, like it's, it's consensual until it isn't. So even in those text messages, though, she says, you know, like that she liked it rough and she enjoyed their first encounter. And obviously she came back for a second encounter. Obviously the second encounter was a lot more violent than the first one. So, you know, it's not like she was necessarily signing up for, um, like, what she got. Um, And then also just the injuries that she sustained. This isn't your normal, like, kinky, like, some handprints on the ass, cheek, like, redness and scratches. Like, she literally has contusions and, like, really serious injuries um, as a result of this. I think people need, before, if they're listening to this and not, haven't actually done the research i think first thing you need to do is look up those pictures before you actually have a say in what has happened here if you because if you're listening to trevor bauer's stories and you're listening and you're looking at the text messages that he posted the two screenshots of text messages are all he posted so that's not evidence in my like like i mean i, I think you guys said it all i don't really have anything else to add it's we're, we're not in the room behind the closed doors there to witness it, but it's hard to, to make a case in favor of Trevor Bauer. I think I agree. He's going to be out of the league for at least the rest of this year, depending, you know, what comes of it could be longer. Um, you think of maybe a guy like Roberto Osuna. Uh, I don't know the details of what his 
ended up as, but I see this as a little bit worse if it's proven true. Um, and he missed what, I don't know, I, don't, I can't remember how many games, 82? Yeah, something yeah, the like minimum, that. The minimum, the starting suspension is 80 games for domestic violence. Yeah. Yep. And obviously, let's not like beat around the bush here. The MLB says that they crack down on domestic violence and everything, but they really don't. You can look around the league and find people like Araldus Chapman in New York, Domingo Herman in New York, a couple people who have, you know, beat up women, basically. Uh, Marcelo Zuna right now, that's still an ongoing yeah. thing as well. So we'll see where that leads. But people have abused women in the, or just spouses, I guess I should say, in the past and then come back into the league and, you know, carved out decent careers for themselves even after that. So I definitely am not going to write off Trevor Bauer as like never pitching in the MLB again, but I definitely think you're right that we won't see him again for the rest of the season and his career could definitely look very differently Hopefully. moving forward from here. Yeah. Look, it's if we look at the suspensions for a second, just like a a side note, it's kind of fucked up that MLB looks at PED suspensions in the exact same light as they do domestic violence suspensions, as those are both, I believe they're 80 games, unless the PED is mm-hmm. 50 games. But I think it's 80. I mean, it's very similar in that sense, and one is far more serious. They need to take this much more serious. That $45 million should be out the window, as I'm sure it's about to mm-hmm. be. But I, I think Dodgers should have an op- option to write off that contract at the end of the day. So mm-hmm. I think we're going to see. I don't. This isn't going to play out well for Trevor Bauer. I think we're gaining more light, and this is becoming a much darker situation. I think this is the fallout is going to become pretty major. Yeah. Well, I don't know if there's anything else we, we need to discuss there. It's kind of a dark topic that... You know, we hate to even bring up on the show, but because of like, you know, who he is and how in the news this is, we definitely needed to, uh, you know, bring it, bring it onto the podcast and, and talk briefly about it. But um, do you guys have anything else you want to say or can we move on? Goodbye, Trevor Bauer. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to another uh, woman beater, Araldis Chapman. Greg, you got anything to say about your Yankee? No. Um it, do, you want, do you want some stats? Yeah, throw uh, them out there. As of July 4th, I think like 7-ish p.m., uh, 471 ERA, 143 whip, three losses, four, and blow, four blown saves. Um, do you have his pre-blow-up numbers? I don't yeah, have through, oh, I, I have him. Through June 6th, through, before June 6th, he had a 0.39 ERA, 0.78 whip, 43 strikeouts in 23 innings. Yeah. I don't have the save numbers. I don't care about those. I'm looking at the 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 deep stuff. And his K rate and his K rate 16. I think he had over 20 saves for that. Yeah. And, yeah. and so like like I mentioned too, you know, people that get away with uh, you know, beating up women, serving their suspension then coming back. This guy's literally an all-star this year. So, the MLB is the is are the ones who pick all-stars. And for pitchers, and they picked Araldis Chapman, so they're giving him the recognition and the platform, despite what he did. Um, and Sports don't care about domestic violence. That's what we're. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, yep. Um, 
Okay, well, let's let's get off this topic completely, but there is someone else in New York that we need to talk about, and that is Garrett Cole. Isaac, I know you've got some things you want to touch on here. Let's let's get into that. All right. Garrett Cole was booed in Yankee Stadium the other day as he was coming off the field. He has not looked good. He's obviously the scapegoat of the spider tack era, and Yankee fans are letting him have it because his numbers have been atrocious. In his first eight starts a season, he held a 1.37 ERA and had 78 strikeouts with three walks. In his last nine starts, he's pitched the same amount of innings with a 4.47 ERA, just 57 Ks, and his walks have blown right up. It's 17 walks, and I mean, I think... We're not. We're seeing Garrett Cole without Spider Tack. I he's obviously a good pitcher, but we're seeing him struggle because he's not. He doesn't have that spin rate anymore, and he lost. And I think we. I don't think we're gonna see the Garrett Cole that we've seen in the past couple years since 2017. I think we're gonna see priest 2017 Garrett Cole, and I think Jacob wants to talk about that a little bit. Yeah. So just touching on pre 17 Garrett Cole. Obviously, he spent that time from age 22 to 26 with the Pittsburgh Pirates before going to Houston in 2018. He did have some good years in in Pittsburgh for sure and you know he's he was a good pitcher uh, regardless of of you know the and this we assume this is before he discovered spider tack in Houston in 2018 but uh, his ERA with Pittsburgh is 350. He had a whip of 121, you know, walks per nine of 2.3, which is obviously uh, higher than, well, actually, I guess it's not really higher than that, so I shouldn't have said that. But basically, the 350 whip and the 121, oh my God, I'm fucking up here. The, <laughs> the 350 ERA and the 121 whip are, you know, obviously higher than his marks with Houston and the Yankees. Um, so maybe this is kind of what we should expect to see moving forward is like a mid three and like above like 110 kind of kind of whip for Garrett Cole um, post spider tack. Also, his strikeout per nine in those seasons with Pittsburgh was 10.3, which is obviously still solid, but not quite, um, you know, the level that it was from 2018 to 2021 in 2018 to 2021 his k per nine was 12.7 so obviously took a bit of a jump there um especially in houston those were his two highest years in terms of k per nine in 2018 he had a 12.4 and in 2019 he had a 13.8 all-star both of those seasons in houston and second in cy young in 2019 behind his teammate Justin Verlander uh you know his ERA since going to Houston has been a 274 and his whip is a 0.96 so obviously there's been some some crazy improvements that he's made uh from 2018 to 2021 and I I just really feel like we might be you know getting back to to the the pre-2018 numbers um, I just want to throw out there, Garrett Cole, you know, big childhood Yankee guy, really wanted to pitch Yankee Stadium in front of a big crowd. 
biggest crowd he's ever pitched fr- in front of at Yankee Stadium was the crowd that booed him, 42,714. <laughs> um, yeah, hard, hard to get behind a guy like that you know you hear his post-game interviews he sounds like kermit the frog doesn't match his face um I, i'm not one for booing my own team's players especially at home i'll i'll boo road guys that come in but and maybe with the exception if you're like trevor bauer or something like that um mm-hmm. i'm fine booing that but i think the whole spider tack era has taught me one thing more than another is that a lot of great pitch- pitchers really are just good without these substances right i think Cole's obviously the face of the spider tack era, but a lot of other pitchers around the league are not just getting injured, but the numbers are all over the place now. Kind of reverting back to what they were yeah. before uh, the substance yeah. came into play. Look, I, we're not really saying that Garrett Cole isn't an ace. He's just not the caliber. He's not going to be the caliber that he was. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, yeah. like, like a 350 ERA uh, with uh, over a strikeout per nine is still a great pitcher, but the the fact is that he has worked himself into, uh, like, from where he was in 2018, basically, the discussion every year of, like, top three pitchers in the league, and uh, obviously the numbers since he has had to go without the spider tack do not have him in that discussion, so... Yeah, definitely an interesting thing, and we'll see how it unfolds. It could just be a bit of an adjustment period here. You know, like it's it's been like three full seasons basically now of him using spider tack, and obviously you have a bit of an adjustment that you have to go through to probably revert back to where you were before that and, you know, get your feel back. So maybe he'll figure it out, and maybe he will, you know, I think go closer to the latter half of his career, but I find that hard to buy into. We all picked him for the AL Cy Young, if I'm not mistaken. So, so that's an O for three. <laughs> yeah, hey, well, no. okay. At that time, we didn't know that the MLB was going to change its rule mid fucking yeah, season. True. So that's that's a little unfair. <laughs> we were we'll maybe he'll be in contention. So yeah, maybe he'll figure it out. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not writing him off right now. No. We definitely thought though that we were getting uh, we were getting spider tack coal yeah. all season. Yeah. So we we got we got uh, the short end of that stick a little bit. Um, yeah. Anything else we should uh, go over before we get into our all time Marlins team here? No. But I think we're bring good. on the Florida slash Miami Marlins. All right. Well, Isaac, why don't you lead us off with your bullpen? All right. First, I think we need to acknowledge. Came into the league. Do we have the year? I believe it was 1993. Winner of two World Series. Pretty crazy, actually, that they've won two already. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, we need to do an introduction for these damn teams. Okay. Go for it. Do <laughs> give give us your introduction. That was, my introdu- that was my introduction. I don't. I didn't have an introduction planned. I I thought you had one. Yeah, so maybe I, I should have. Gonna... I'm a bad. I'm a bad host. <laughs> it's all good. Anyways, okay. My relievers will breeze them over quick. Um, the best reliever they've ever had, hands down, was Rob Nen, who's one of the best relievers any team has ever had. But he belongs to the Giants, and you'll see why when he come when it comes time. But we need to acknowledge that first. He's the all-time saves leader for Miami as well. He won the 1997 World Series, and he still is not going down as a Miami's number one because he was so amazing 
in San Francisco. So my number one reliever is Steve Ciszek. Hmm. Um, he pitched for them from 2010 to 2015. He had a 2.86 ERA as a member of Miami, and he had the highest WAR of any Miami Marlins reliever. 94 saves ranks him third amongst Miami players all time. So shout at him. Number two, he is the real six toes of Miami. So six toe Sanchez is not the six toes. <laughs> Antonio Alfonseca is. Do you guys know why he is six toes? Does he actually have six toes? He has an extra digit on each finger, on each hand, and each foot. Wow. So he has like attached to each of his pinkies. He has another little finger popping out. What the hell? It's like it's like, like a pinky winky. They call it a digit, but it's like yeah, yeah, it's exactly that. It's like a tail for the pinky. So I don't know if this worked to his advantage. Became a good pitcher because he could put an extra little spin on the ball with that little tiny pinky coming around. Damn. But yeah, so he pitched from 1997 to 01. So he won a World Series, but in his rookie year, I don't know how much of a impact he had. He was mediocre in that rookie season, but then he came back in 2005. In 2000, he led the majors in saves at 45, and he is second in saves next to Rob Nen, all time. And then my third one, you guys might know him. He's more recent, AJ Ramos. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was I was shocked to see his numbers. Like he was, we knew he was a very good closer, but extremely underrated. Extremely underrated. So he was there from 2012 to 2017, and he took over the closer role after Steve Ciszek, I can't say his name, Ciszek in 2015, and he recorded 91 saves from 2015 to 2017. And he held a 2.88 ERA through his time in Miami, which is pretty incredible. I have a couple honorable mentions if you want me to do that, unless you want me to save it to the end. Throw them out. All right, Mike Dunn. I was close to putting him on this roster, but obviously Adrian Ramos uh, edged him out. He's the best left-handed reliever Miami has had, slash Florida, and he holds the marks for games pitched. He has 405 games pitched as a Miami Marlin. He has a 3.59 career ERA, so shout out to him. He's, I mean, he was reliable, not fantastic, but deserves a mention. And then Armando Benitez, he holds a single season. He only pitched one season in 2004, so right after the second World Series. And he has a single season mark of 47 saves in 2004, which I believe... Oh, and he had a 1.29 ERA. I believe that is the single season franchise record for saves Hmm. as well. But yeah. So they've definitely had some good relievers. They've had some good relievers for sure. Surprise me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I apologize for not giving a better intro. As Isaac said, came into the league in 1993. They've won two World Series in 1997 and 2003. You know, they have those sweet pinstripe jerseys that we uh, we discussed a little bit last week. Way better than the Yankees pinstripe jerseys. Questionable. <laughs> nope. Uh, they also, you know, they switched from the Florida Marlins to the Miami Marlins. Do you guys actually know what season that was? Um, it was a couple of my relievers were on both teams. Fuck. Yeah. Well, I think it might've been 2012, 2000. Yeah. Maybe 2000. Yeah. I think it was around that time that or they, 2011, it was around the time that they did like that 
that big rebrand, right? Where they introduced all those like kind of funky colors and everything. Yeah. I mean, we could. Yeah. Well, either way, uh, not a big deal. The fish. Obviously, they used to play at uh, what was that? What was the stadium like? Dolphin, Dolphin stadium? stadium. Yeah. Yeah. They used to play. They shared it with the with the football team, obviously, and then they moved to their new stadium, which I have actually been to, and it's probably one of my least favorite stadiums hmm. that I've been to, if not my least favorite. Had absolutely zero atmosphere and just okay. kind of felt like a ballpark or like a airport. <laughs> but anyways, you know, hopefully, hopefully the the Marlins they've got a an exciting young rotation right now. And, you know, have lots of prospects in the system. Maybe soon we'll see that that atmosphere get get lit up again. Um, Speaking of rotation and young studs, that kind of leads us into our Miami Marlins or Florida Marlins all-time rotation. And the young stud that is the face of the franchise in my mind and definitely the face and leader of this rotation is the late, great Jose Fernandez. Obviously, he died super young in, you know, a boat boat accident in Miami that uh, was just a really, really unexpected and sad situation. But I don't even know how to really talk about him because the legacy that he had on the Marlins is really, really something special. He's a Cuban-born player that tried to defect from Cuba multiple times, taking like sketchy boats, basically trying to get to uh, to the USA. He was caught multiple times. Uh, at one point, his he saved a woman who was floating in the water uh, on one of those voyages. He jumped in to pull her out, and only after pulling her out did he realize that it was actually his own mother whose life that he saved. Uh, just a crazy situation. Obviously, Miami is like a Cuban hotspot. Like it's like Cuba is so deeply embedded in the Miami culture and like the Latin culture down there. So he brought like this crazy energy and passion to the Marlins franchise that like just didn't exist basically um, and, until he got there. Like it had been pretty stagnant for for a few years and he was just an absolutely electric player i'll rhyme off his career stats here he well yeah so career era of 258 he had a 105 whip a 2.44 fip 11.2 k per nine and a wins loss record of 38 and 17 he was also a rookie of the year in his first season, he was a two-time All-Star and ranked third in Cy Young in his rookie season. Just an electric player, really, and obviously, like I said, died way too young. Um, I'm sure people remember the the game that the Marlins played at Marlins Stadium after the news broke that Jose Fernandez died. Obviously, all the players wore number 16. They had it on the mound. They all took like a moment of silence kind of thing out at the mound. And what are you snapping at? What's that motherfucker is snapping on camera? It's, my, it's the vents by my feet. <laughs> I didn't even hear it. 
You ruined my momentum, Greg. Way to go. I didn't do shit. Uh, whatever. This, this, uh, I'm getting back to the story here. I, I'm already I'm getting choked up thinking about it. But obviously, D. Gordon uh, hits a home run on the first pitch he sees of, of that game. And, you know, I don't remember how long it had been since he had hit a home run, but he was crying hitting the bases or rounding the bases. And I think in his post-game interview, he said something like, like, if you don't believe in God, like, I don't know what to tell you or something like that, because he, you know, he never hit a home run like that in his career. Um, Might've been the first of his career. I don't know if you guys remember, but definitely not someone that hits for power at all. Um, it's the first of the season for sure. Yeah, yeah. Just, just a crazy situation. Um, and you know, I think he's just—he's a guy that's gonna forever be a Marlin because, you know, he was there from 2013 to 2016, and then he died. So he's never gonna have the opportunity to play for another team. And those four seasons that he was there for are just uh, something special. You guys have anything to say about Jose Fernandez before I move on? I've been talking a long time. No, I think you did him justice. Good. All right. Well, second in the rotation here, and maybe I'll have to re rejig this uh, upon more investigation before we put our you know our big post up uh, confirming the the actual rotation. So we'll say this is in no particular order outside of Jose Fernandez, but I think that the number two in the rotation would likely be the six foot seven righty out of Minneapolis. Who is he? Well, I, I'm looking at the note, so I, I'm cheating. No, I know. I, <laughs> I know you're looking at the note. That's it's why I Josh asked you. Johnson. Thank you, Josh Johnson. Yeah, like I said, big six-seven righty out of Minneapolis. He was with the Fish from 2005 to 2012. He has a 56 and 37 win-loss record with the team. Pitched 916 innings and was a two-time All-Star. He also led the league in ERA with 230, FIP 241, ERA plus of 180, and a home run per nine of just 0.3. And what season was that? I don't remember. I'll have to pull it up. But yeah, had a had a fantastic year uh, with them. And also his career numbers are pretty solid. Um, I, I rhymed off some of his, like his win-loss record and innings pitch, but he had a Career uh, ERA with the Marlins of 315, 123 whip, which is not fantastic, but okay. And uh, 832 Ks in his career with the Marlins. Um, let me just quickly pull up. So the year of, you know, where he led all the all those categories that I just rhymed off there before was 2010. Uh, he was an all-star that season. He was an, also an all-star in 2009 which was the year before, um, in which he also had a pretty outstanding season. So Josh Johnson is number two on this list. Number three, and this is where I'm not even sure if you know if he would be the number three, but definitely someone who uh, is near and dear to the hearts of Marlins fans, someone that came on the scene uh, as a rookie in 2003, Big lefty with a wild leg kick. He is... D-Train. Choo-choo. Dontrell Willis. That was a bit better, guys. Thank you for, 
for staying with me there. <laughs> what were you supposed to say for Josh Johnson? You were just fucking supposed to say his name, man. <laughs> yeah. But uh, anyways, D-Train, obviously, uh, he was the rookie of the year in 2003. Obviously, the year that the Marlins won the World Series. He's also a two-time All-Star. And his career really wasn't shit outside of the Marlins. So he's definitely a Marlin. There's, there's no debating no debating that. Uh, but he had a 3.78 career ERA with the Marlins, 757 strikeouts, over 1,200 or 1,022 innings. Uh, so just really a workhorse. If you actually look at, you know, uh, I believe he led the league in uh, games started one season, um, 68 and 54 win loss records. His 68 wins ranked second in franchise history behind Ricky Nolasco. Uh, you know, he's a guy that was a bit of a walker, but more often than not worked himself out of trouble. Uh, just good pitcher. Obviously, um, he won 22 games in 2005 and just someone that I think was a, was a big, a big name in Miami for, for a long time. So I think he definitely deserves to be on this list. All right, number four, Kevin Brown. Kevin Brown. I thought you wanted. Oh, sorry. <laughs> now, see, now I didn't lead you in, and you were ready. Uh, Fuck. We are we are out of sync today. Um, Kevin Brown, yeah. Only two seasons with the Marlins. Uh, he was there in 96 and 97. He obviously spent more time with the Rangers and also with the Dodgers, uh, but we're going for quality over quantity because he won't make the Dodgers rotation, and he was – not really worthy of, of Texas either in his time with Texas. But uh, he had a 33-19 and 19 record with the Marlins. He was an all-star in both seasons and uh, was second in Cy Young voting in 1996. And obviously he was with that team in 1997, which means he won a World Series with them. Uh, some of his career stats with the Marlins, I just want to rhyme off. He led the league in 1996 in ERA with a 189. And that's across 32 games started, so that's no Mickey Mouse shit. That was real deal. Uh, he also had a .94 whip and uh, ERA plus of 215, which also led the league. And yeah, he was, he was dealing. <laughs> he, had, he also had three shutouts that season. Just barely gave up any home runs also with a .3 home run per nine. Uh, just a really, really impressive season. And his second year with the Marlins was was really good as well with a 2.69 ERA. Uh, yeah, just really, really good pitcher in his time with the Marlins. And I think he definitely deserves to be on this, on this team based on what he achieved with them. So then number five, uh, a little bit more of a toss-up here. There was a couple other guys I mentioned already, Ricky Nolasco. Uh, A.J. Burnett was another guy that we considered for this kind of five spot. But you guys want to you want to go for it? He was a Red Sox for a while. I think you know who he is. Uh, I'm not as excited about this one, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a pass on announcing his name. God damn it, we're bad at this. This is Josh Beckett. <laughs> <laughs> well, you should be a little bit excited because he had some – had, Josh Beckett had some good accomplishments – with the Marlins. He started his career there in 2001 and played until he went to Boston in 2006. 
I think he's probably more well-known as a Red Sox because I believe he had three all-star appearances with the Red Sox. But, you know, he was no slouch in Miami either. Um, he didn't have an all-star appearance with him, but he was fringe for at least three of the seasons that he was with Miami, or with the Marlins. He had a 41-34 and 34 record and uh, like with the team. He was also there in 2003 when they won the World Series. And he was a huge part of that World Series, obviously. He was the World Series MVP that year. So if that doesn't ingrain you in, in a franchise, in franchise history, I don't know what does. Um, but yeah, he had he had some good numbers over his career with the Marlins. I will read them off right now. 3-4-6 ERA, 1-2-3 uh, whip, ERA plus of 118, 607 career strikeouts with the Marlins. And uh, yeah, just a pretty solid career. Not really anyone else that I felt was worthy of overtaking him for the last spot on this team. So uh, I think I think the the World Series ring and the World Series MVP kind of solidify him in the bottom of this rotation. So yeah, I'm glad I'm done talking. Greg, please take over and give us the lineup. All right, um, we're gonna start at catcher. Um, this one is a little tighter of a race than I would have thought just thinking of the Marlins or any team really usually there's one catcher that stands out uh, I was really tempted to say JT who is now on the Phillies um, but I'm gonna make him an honorable mention our starting catcher for the Marlins all-time team is gonna be Charles Johnson uh, six years with the team 13.9 F war two-time all-star four-time gold glove which is important as a catcher obviously and a World Series championship Um catcher any i don't know any debates there would you pick jt over him yeah we talked about this pre-show but um it is this was a tough one we don't really know because obviously jt Realmuto is still an active player in the league and he just locked up a five-year deal with the phillies he's he's like you know he's playing for them right now as part of that five-year deal and He's only 30 years old, so we'll kind of see what he does. But I think right now his trajectory is maybe to be uh, more like a long-term Philly. And, you know, the numbers were close between, you know, your pick there and and, and JT. So I, I think it was kind of a coin flip. Uh, but maybe things will, will shake out a little bit more as JT finishes his career and we see what happens. But, yeah. yeah. Um, brings me into my first baseman. Uh Former Rookie of the Year in 1993, Jeff Conine. Spent eight years with the team, 120 bombs, 447 runs, and over 550 RBI. He was a two-time All-Star and a World Series champion. Uh, Honorable mentions here, I'd throw around the names Derek Lee and Kevin Millar, but uh, I found first first base not to be the the deepest part of this lineup, that's for sure. Yeah. Uh, second baseman. Uh, the first name that comes to mind is Dan Ugla, but I'm not picking Dan Ugla for this spot. I'm going to go with Luis Castillo because when you look at his numbers, they're insane. Uh, or accolades, I guess. Uh, three All-Stars, three gold gloves, led the league in stolen bases twice. I think one of those seasons he had 65. Those are some some Carl Crawford Jeez. numbers. Yeah. Uh, World Series champ, spent 10 years with the team, and I believe with 675 games played, he leads the Marlins... Uh, players in history and games played um yeah i feel like that one was a little a little more brain dead easy than i would have thought going into it uh that brings me to shortstop 
couple weird numbers to look out for here. I'm picking Hanley Ramirez. Yes. I was uh, hoping you picked Hanley. I think this is an easy pick. Uh, he has 666 runs, but he also has 666 games played. Uh, found that to be a little weird, a little eerie. Uh, I like to think of him as a Marlin more, more than a Red Sox. I don't know if you can really even make a debate over that. Um, really mobile shortstop, you know, five-tool hitter. He had, he had a 300 average with the Marlins, 499 slugging, 482 RBI. I think that one is a pretty easy pick. Um, coming in at third base is the fifth most games played uh, on the Marlins. Uh, Mike Lowell spent seven years with the teams, three-time All-Star, Silver Slugger, Gold Glove, and also a World Series champ. Uh, honorable mention would be Miguel Rojas. Also, I don't know if I mentioned this, Edgar Renteria. Anyone else think of that name when it comes to the Marlins? Didn't make the squad, no. but... I think of him as a Cub. A Cub? I would have said Cardinal. I think it... You'll have to look it up. I think he spent like six years with the Cardinals. Maybe maybe less. Um, but that brings me to the tightest race I think I'm I've... so fucking dumb. Edgar Renteria didn't even play with the Cubs. <laughs> I, I, I didn't want to call you out. No, <laughs> yeah. He played okay. his last season with Cincinnati. If that no, I don't even know what I was... I think I'm thinking of someone St. else. St. Louis. Like Greg said. No, well, no, I'm not thinking, thinking of a different team. team. No, I'm saying I'm not thinking of a different team. I'm thinking of a different player. Oh. Yeah, it's got to be a different player. Um, So, Hachiria. I'm going to rhyme my outfield off. Oh, Um, I'm going to rhyme off my outfield. Uh, first name that comes to mind for me is Christian Yelich. Did not make the team. Uh, best years with the Brewers. Debatably the fifth or sixth outfielder on this list. Another name, Marcelo Zuna. Didn't make the cut. Uh, fluke, fluke good year. I don't like him. Beats ladies. Um, that's, that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> um, the fourth outfielder that I like. He's he's got the iconic bat waggle. His son is actually coming through the system. I don't know if he's drafted yet or not. Uh, his name is Gary Sheffield. You might know him. 122 home runs with the Marlins. Six years, All Star, Silver Slugger, led the league in 1996 with on base on base percentage of 465 and an OPS of 1090. I, those numbers kind of jump off the page to me. That's pretty nuts. Yep. Uh, he did not make the team. He was an honorable mention. Uh, we'll we'll say the third outfielder on this depth chart is going to be Cliff Floyd. Welcome to the team, buddy. Um, six years, 392 runs, 90 stolen bases, 661 hits, and a 294 average. Uh, I believe he won a World Series. I don't know that for sure. Hold you on, have to correct year, me. What years was, was he active? Great question. I'll look, him up. Um, I'll look it up right now. Keep, my, keep my, talking, Greg. My number two... And number one, you could kind of interchange them uh, on this list for outfielders. I'll throw out the names and I'll go through some stats. Juan Pierre, uh, four years, led the league in hits, triples, and stolen bases. Uh, different years in his time with Flor- at the time Florida, sixty-five stolen bases in one season. Played all one hundred and sixty-two games three straight years for Florida. Uh, one hundred ninety stolen bases in four years. I think that's pretty nuts to keep up that pace. Two ninety-five average, six hundred eighty-two hits. Juan Pierre, you're hitting leadoff. Uh, and our cleanup hitter is going to be Giancarlo Stanton, formerly Michael Stanton. Uh, eight years, 267 bombs, an MVP, 576 runs, and 672 RBI. I think that's a no-brainer. He's fallen off with the Yankees. That's not a secret at all. But best years were in Florida, Miami, whatever you're going to call them. 
I think that's he's a lock for this team. Absolutely. Uh, Cliff Floyd won the 1997 World Series with the team. Nice. He was uh, there from 1997 to 2001. Yeah. Yeah, that's, uh, all, that's all like I got to say. Looks like we just say. lost Greg. I don't know what happened to him. Uh, but uh, I think you lost Greg. <laughs> I still have Greg. <laughs> oh, just me? He's still there? <laughs> oh, he's back. He's back. Okay, we didn't lose him. Well, this is uh, this is going off the rails, but let's do a quick rundown of our of our teams here, and then we will get out of here because I'm hungry. We're we're running long. Yeah, we are running long. Okay, all right. Well, let's uh, let's kick it off. I'll I'll go with the rotation because I got it here in front of me. So number one, Jose Fernandez, and we got Josh Johnson, Dontrell Willis, Kevin Brown. And Josh Beckett. In the bullpen, we've got Steve Ciszek, Six Toes, Antonio Alfonseca, and AJ Ramos. Rounding it up. And our lineup is Charles Johnson at catcher, Jeff Conine at first, Luis Castillo at second, Hanley Ramirez at short, Mike Lowell on the hot corner, uh, Cliff Floyd, Juan Pierre, and Giancarlo Stanton rounding out the outfield. And that's it. Yeah. Well, if the Marlins ever get a DH, we'll uh, we'll throw Gary Sheffield in there yeah, at throw, DH, right? Throw Chef the bone, yeah. Yeah, okay. All right, well, thank you so much for listening. That concludes our show for today. If you'd like to follow us on Instagram, we are at Shaped by Sports. We also have a web- website, shapedbysports.com. So you can tune in to both of those spots to get all of your news on diamond gems and baseball and basically just all things sports we've got some new podcasts coming out real soon Uh, lots more content coming so shoot us a follow we would appreciate it and thanks so much for listening and have a good week